Have you ever seen some idiot free soloing at the crag and wondered to yourself, just what in the hell was that guy thinking? Well, you're in the right place, my friend, because that guy is about to tell you exactly what he was thinking. So throw your rope in the closet where it belongs and grab a chalk bag for your sweaty, sweaty palms. The process is about to begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Process, and now a word from our sponsors. Great, now that that's over, I'd like to thank my job and the fact that I have a fair amount of free time. So for those of you who say that guy obviously has way too much time on his hands. You are correct, there's your confirmation, now go spray about it to all of your friends. Um, sending season is over for me, I kind of have a hard deadline of December 1st in the spring and fall I like to send, and I have a uh, very important focus of training in the summer and winter. I am not naturally talented. My first time climbing involved flailing on a 5'8", about 15 feet up, and falling the fuck off. If I could get away with just climbing to progress, I totally would, but I can't, so I don't. So, uh, I train. But, uh, anyhow, now that sending season is over, per my arbitrary benchmarks, it's time to focus on training. So that means I'm not traveling down to the Red River Gorge every weekend, and, well, that's a, uh, seven-hour commute each way. So that means I've got a baseline of 14 more hours of free time each week to play and try to figure out this whole podcast thing. Speaking of which... I've got two microphones today, which I'm hoping should help with the sound, make it a bit more rounded out. Also, I've been playing around with audio settings and activating the phone-a-friend option via Facebook, and I think I've figured out how to reduce the hissing noise that this infernal microphone was causing. Uh, I've turned off the furnace and the refrigerator, put an extension on the USB cord for my laptop so that those fans are as far away as possible, uh, turned the preamp just right, tweaked the digital noise filters. Um, to start this show off, I adopted the motto, Run Fast and Break Things, because I knew that I had no idea what I was doing, and I was bound to screw things up. But if I waited to get it perfect, I was afraid I'd never actually get the thing started. Anyhow, this week's installment of the process is going to be pretty straightforward, but kind of cool in that it details a weekend which supplied me with some much-needed low-stress success. The upshot from this story is that I soloed two 512s in a single weekend, and uh, each only took half a day of effort to dial in. That's tremendous progress compared to how things went in the past, and even to how they went earlier in the season, and that's kind of all what it's all about with motivation and training. Noting those little bits of progress that slowly add up to rad adventures of the best kind. Anyhow, without further ado, it's time for this week's story. So, uh, after Twinkie and Bedevil Pipeline, I'd check boxes on both pumpy steep climbs and bouldery steep climbs. Thought it was time to branch out. One thing that I try to keep in my head is that typically, if I can on-site a route... I can turn around and solo it. The nice thing about an on-site is that you either climb it like a trash can, or you spend so much time thinking that you burn yourself out. Glory to the on-site, right? 
because rare is the instance where you perform each move perfectly and without hesitation on the first go. So back in the spring season, I'd on-sighted this root knuckle sauce at the deep end of Miller Fork with a rope, and I uh, had a notion that it would be a good candidate with solid holds and solid moves to return for a solo. Meanwhile, during my week of beatdown and disappointment prior to Twinkie, I had kind of dialed in this route called Check Your Grip at Drive-By Crag after botching the on-site while climbing in crummy conditions. Both routes involve slopers, which usually give me anxiety, but as I'd been building my base at 12- this season and already had two solos at the grade, I was starting to feel more competent as a soloist and figured I could rise to the occasion. One way to find out, right? So I walked out to the deep end alone, and that felt rather empowering. While initially at the season I'd balked at needing a rope to lower off of roots, I'd started to realize that having the cord allowed me to rope solo the route and practice the movements so I could dial the climb in and send same day. While my heart is drawn towards endless circuits, roots with top-outs are the traditional sort of solo, if you will. You can just run around and round like a squirrel on cocaine, sending root after root after root. Um, to that end, I've had a lot of a lot of marathon days. Hell, my first real weekend of soloing ever involved sending 32 of my favorite roots at Enchanted Rock in two days. Later in my soloing life, I soloed 50 laps in five hours at Sand Rock, Alabama. And on one particular occasion, I soloed 5,700 feet worth of cumulative vote. Uh, vertical via 15 different multi-pitch routes which ranged between 300 and 450 foot each. A little bit over a vertical mile for the day. Now, this is at Shortoff Mountain in North Carolina in a space of only 10 hours. The hardest route was 511D, including a 511D that I on-sighted, super crack for those of you who are familiar with the area, and then uh, I also on-site soloed Golden Rule and 11B, where the crux is 250 feet off the deck. That felt pretty, <laughs> that felt pretty rad. Uh, God, I love on-site soloing. Um, yeah, this summer I had a day where I soloed 20 pitches in a single day at Devil's Lake, and half of that was on-site. So this is how I've maintained a lifestyle where I've performed more pitches in the last six years without a rope than I have with one. That sort of freedom is why I'm one of the few people that seems to enjoy Devil's Lake more than the Red. At least thus far. How I've been soloing this season is so different compared to how I've done in the past that I've adopted sort of a tongue-in-cheek terminology to separate the two. Circuit soloing, with topping out, all finger-powered with no rope, both on the up and down, maybe down-climbing an adjacent route to get back to terra firma, that's traditional or uh, let's call it trad soloing. Sport soloing is my semi-derogatory term for the style that I've adopted where I have to faff about with ropes and gear to return my carcass back to floor level due to lack of a top-out or some acceptable downclimb. On the bright side, though, this uh, sport soloing tactic allows me to inspect and to rehearse moves by myself as well. So not only is the ultimate send solo, but also the practice beforehand. And so I've actually come to grow fond of the style. So fond, in fact, that I've joined a roped soloing group on Facebook and ordered a new kit of hardware specifically for the task. So I felt pretty good about walking into the deep end alone, even if I had a pack on my back, 
because I was still self-powered. And that's what I enjoy about this game so much. Granted, the ultimate goal is to free solo circuits with human power alone, but soloing of any kind is still deeply satisfying to me. I think anybody who's ever walked through the woods by themselves to clear their head can understand that at least to a certain degree. So as previously mentioned, getting up is only half the battle. You gotta find a way down, too. While previous climbing indicated that Knuckle Sauce was a good candidate for going up, there was no top out. The anchor ended about five feet before a holdless mud-slicked bulge. So the best style I could hope for would be to hang a short bit of knotted rope from a tree, down to the anchor. In that way, I could return to climb the route as a trad solo, while leaving the hardware and the climbing rope at home. The easiest way to trad solo is when you can walk down from the top. So first I set about trying to walk up to the top with my wagging, webbing, and my hand rope to see if I could find a suitable anchoring point. Walked about a hundred yards to the right of cliff and only got myself lost. I'd learned after Twinkie, though, and wore jeans to protect my shins, which was fortunate because I still had bloody hashtag marks all over my calves and shins from the walks to and from the top of Twinkie. Woof. There were only two other climbers at this cliff, and I'm afraid I'm absolutely terrible with names. In the future, I'm going to have to pack a notepad or some crap to make sure I can give credit where it's due. Um, anyhow, they suggested that there was a walk-up far to the left. So I set off in that direction for about 200 yards or so and came up empty-handed again. Well, the next best option was to find an easier solo which went to the top, so that I could hopefully down-climb it after the send. There was this 5-8 trad climb I figured would do the trick. It was a nice crack and jamming is very secure, good for down-climbing. Starting up the initial 15 feet, though, was a sketchy and fruitless endeavor. While the climbing was easy, the rock was either brittle or slicked with moss and grime. There's a load of easy routes out there that you could likely do in high heels, which I wouldn't be caught dead soloing on this side of hell. This was one such route. Turns out it was fortunate that I didn't waste any more time here, though. Uh, those other climbs topped out adjacent to it, um, and the, the other climbers there were working on them, and they reported back to me that it wasn't actually the top of the cliff line, but just a damn false summit. Sport soloing it is. So I returned to knuckle sauce with my knots and my locking beaners and quick draws, and rope soloed the route to practice the moves. I tied a bite to the anchor, lowered off, and then actually sent the thing on top rope solo while managing my slack one-handed in the gree-gree with no chalk and my shoes untied. And even better, I ran into my own knee uh, on one of those dicey moves up top and was able to reel myself in and continue without stress. Hell yeah. I fucked it up and still sent casually. Game on indeed. So, uh, pulling onto the route. I did feel some small anxieties, just as I had with each route this season. Ordinarily, I'm able to warm up my mind as well as my fingers by soloing circuits around nearby moderates before taking down the mini-proj. Due to tactical styles this season and the routes available or rather not available nearby, psychologically I had to go from zero mode straight to hero mode. There was no warm-up at all for the brain. I had to flip the switch and be on point instantaneously, and that's a hell of a switch. That's what caused these silly anxieties I felt. 
not any actual hazard. So I took those anxieties and set them aside. I didn't fight them, but I didn't let them carry my attention away from the task either. About halfway up the wall, I fucked up the crux move a bit. I have to hit this intermediate with a shallow two-finger pocket and an equally shallow thumb catch. It's not great, but it's solid rock, and it's enough to allow me to shuffle my feet, then bump to a three-finger bucket. I forgot to shuffle my feet, though. Uh, and so I failed the bump, reeled myself back into the intermediate, reset my feet, and then bumped casually into the finger bucket. This was... This was one of those things that... Uh, when I was practicing, I had a notion that it might happen. It's one of the things you got to plan for, fucking up. You know, I uh, try to wake up with the firm assumption that I am a complete idiot, and then make sure that I've prepared enough to send the route anyway. So uh, for those of you keeping count, though, there you have it. I made one mistake, and now I'm dead. Because, uh, you know, eh, apparently that's how soloing works, according to the uh, internet comment threads. Uh, but good news, they do have Wi-Fi in hell, so I can write this blog post and make this podcast. Unfortunately, the only drawback is that the signal's based on a 56k dial-up modem, and you have to listen to that screeching ringtone through your entire fucking session. Yeah. They do have a couple services available at broadband speed, but that's only uh, Facebook and Instagram, because they figure that FOMO is going to torture you even more. And uh, there's a limited edition of Twitter, which consists solely of the official White House feed, as that has been determined to be the most effective torture for uh, anybody who uh, can spell accurately. So anyway, I meandered up the rest of the route, hitting the specific underclings in their specific manner, and then moseyed up through slimpers to reach the anchor. I wrapped my wrist in a sling that I had hung there, slipped on my harness, and lowered off. There was plenty of light in the day, so I headed over to drive-by Crag to see about check your grip. A few Chicagoans, including the uh, infamous Greg, route setter at first ascent, were at the wall, and uh, I negotiated a couple belays to see if the route was still a good idea, and it was. So I left to rest for the night, and returned early in the morning. Luckily, I was early enough to beat the crowds, mostly at least. So I flaked my rope at the base, rope soloed the route, and during this ascent, I re-rememberized a few of the sequences. And actually, uh, I found some more efficient beta. Then I fixed the rope to a bite at the anchors, and after a short rest, I top rope soloed the route and rigged my anchor to clean. As I was rigging, Sam Romano, who'd actually introduced me to the route, walked by and said, Hey man, you need a catch? Nah. I've got this one. Rad, man. And he gave me the ubiquitous head nod of understanding, then continued on his day. To actually climb something hard while I was faffing about on his warm-up. The vibe was mellow. Most of the climbers were out of immediate eyesight and focused on their own tasks. A couple of climbers were nearby, but they could tell exactly what I was prepping for, and there was a sort of unspoken agreement that they didn't really care. Short time after uh, lowering off, I soloed the route, then slipped into my harness and lowered off. Upon returning to the ground, that unspoken agreement was confirmed with a head nod, coupled with the universal thumbs up for a send well earned. While I do believe that this route has a top-out, 
I didn't have time to investigate it. There's only so many hours in the day. So many days in the weekend. And so many weekends in the season. Fearing that I'd encounter mud, sand, or loose rock, I opted to perform the safe activity and lower off from the anchor with a rope. More sport soloing. That top-out is a project for another day. I'm optimistic, but it's not certain. And the fact of the matter is that this is a busy crag. Unless I got myself a genuine alpine start and threw down my circuit before climbers arrived, things would probably get real weird real fast. That just seems like an asinine thing to do to people. So I'm not sure if this is even worth it to dial in the top out or to dial in additional climbs at this crag and build a circuit. But this is a subject for future pondering. Who knows? Maybe eventually I'll find a way to make it work. But in any case, this particular weekend gave me my 10th and 11th routes of the 512 grade in my solo resume. Only one more would take me up to a dozen dozen. 12 512s. Success felt like it was nigh, especially given that I'd just managed to solo two 512s in a single weekend. Alright everybody, thanks for listening to the show. Um, I still can't pe- believe people read my long-ass Instagram comments, let alone, or captions rather, uh, let alone read my blogs and listen to these episodes. But, um, you know, if you're stoked, make sure to subscribe, share to your friends, rate me on iTunes, and downvote me on Reddit. To close things out for today, we have a preview from next time. Alright folks, that's enough for today. So uh, in the meantime, just remember, whatever you do next out there, be safe. But if you find that you are constitutionally incapable of being safe due to some temporary or permanent form of the most egregious madness, be careful. Be careful.